0: It's called the Radio app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. The morning news on 710 KURV. Top newsmakers. Here's Sergio Sanchez
1: the Economic Development Office in Edinburgh, they've got a boot camp this week they want you to know about. Let's take a look at some other economic happenings in the area. Now then, Garza is the CEO over at the Economic Development Office in Edinburgh. Okay, Rowdy, Rowdy, let's start with the boot camp. What is all that about?
2: Hey, good morning, Sergio. Yes, well, sir. Uh, we're teaming up with uh, Workforce Solutions, the city of Edinburgh, Rotary Club of Mission. Workforce Solutions, Vocational Rehab Services, uh, and some other groups, including the Prairie View A&M University Cooperative Extension Program, to basically put on a uh, boot camp for entrepreneurs who are looking to gain some skills and learn a little bit more about how to get started. Uh, they're going to hear from experts that uh, are going to teach them a little bit more about uh, business plans, marketing plans, you know, how to register with the government, how to you know, get your EIN. Um, and do other things uh, that are going to make them successful over time. So uh, this is going to happen on Thursday Mm -hmm. at the uh, conference center at Renaissance here in Edinburgh.
1: What time does everything start, and do you need need to pre-register for this boot camp?
2: It starts from 8, and it ends at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. But unfortunately, uh, it's already sold out in terms of the seating capacity. Uh, But people can still register for the next one, so... Uh, people can register, you, you know, going through our social media pages, either LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, um, you know, even our Instagram and Facebook pages, and Workforce Solutions has a has a link on, the, on their page as well. So okay. uh, those are the best ways to get to it. Oh, or they can call us, and then we can, can guide them also.
1: Yeah, call the Economic Development uh, Office at Edinburgh. Uh, describe how important these events, these get-togethers are, to help spur job creation, business creation in the area.
2: Well, as, as most people know, uh, small businesses are the ones that create the most jobs here, especially here in the Valley. And, and you know, over, overall, uh, we've got small enterprises that start in the first year, you know, maybe 20% of them don't make it. Over the five-year period, half of the, of the people that started a business don't make it. So a lot of times it's because they didn't prepare, they didn't, um, you know, analyze their market the right way, they didn't adjust. And this boot camp is supposed to help them get some of those um, skills that are necessary for them to survive. So we want them to to, to not only venture out and do their own businesses, but go ahead and hire people, too, so um, we can – you know, continue to lower our, our unemployment rate and uh, and benefit
1: everybody. 10-4. Garza is the economic development chief for the city of Edinburgh. There's a boot camp coming up at the Edinburgh Conference Center this coming Thursday. Already sold out, but they will have more of these with Workforce Solutions solutions, and other partners near future. I think the angle that you likely would need to take, considering what you just said on the startups, seems that the majority of them fail, is why do they fail? That, that would be... One seminar that would fill up the entire ballroom, if, if you can get somebody to flesh out, <laughs> why do small businesses fail? You need to, need to approach that issue.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, well, you know, a lot of it is just planning. Uh, a lot of it is, is access to capital, uh, and those are things that we can teach them and uh, hopefully point them out in the in the right direction so that they can succeed.
1: Speaking of access to capital, I know that in the past, uh, UTRGV and their business development uh, efforts. They've promoted either grants or some some other special loans, maybe through SBA, to help certain minority businesses or women-owned businesses to uh, start their businesses. Are, are those folks going to be uh, there as well?
2: Well, there'll be people that are going to be pointing out, uh, you know, the resources, including the Small Business Development Center, which is at UTRGV, mm-hmm. um, and those folks. Um, you know, we have access to them, so. Uh, they can call us or they can call the, the Edinburgh Chamber, and they have access to this uh, SBDC also. Um, so we can we can put them in front of the right people, you know, whether it's the Small Business Development Center, SBA lenders, you know, there's um, programs that uh, lend for real estate, there's programs that lend for working capital. So there's a lot of different lenders out there, um, you know, private sector lenders that, uh, that are willing to, to help out. So we can help small businesses get started and we can help them expand too.
1: So Delganza from EDC Efforts in Edinburgh. Last time we spoke with your mayor, you mentioned real estate. Man, you guys, there's hammers flying all over the place. What's the status report on construction numbers for the area?
2: Well, you know, um, last year we had well over $300 million in uh, construction permits, so that's an amazing number. This year, uh, I don't have the numbers just yet in terms of the first couple of quarters, but uh, it's, it's going very strong. Um, you know, it slowed down a little bit when the interest rates hiked up, but uh, but it's starting to rebound again, and uh, we look at the phenomenal year coming up. Um, we've got 60 to 70 new subdivisions that have been platted over the last few months, and Jeez. that represents about 4,000 residential lots that are going to be available in the next few years. So that's a lot of new homes coming up.
1: Massive uh, expansion. So Edinburgh
2: continues to grow.
1: Yeah, massive expansion yeah. Of, of the tax base on the industry side. Uh, one thing that uh, your compadre next door McCallan, Keith Patriots, has been saying for the longest time, we like square footage for prospecting. We like we actual stuff, warehousing that's already on the ground, ready to go, turnkey. Uh, and uh, I know that we have, for example, that textile old textile thing that never became anything there in, in Edinburgh. It's probably a big facility. Um, what are the chances? Maybe we can take advantage of all the phones ringing to get industry down here and start filling up some of the empty uh, square footage we have here in Edinburgh.
2: Well, we, you know, we don't have a lot of empty square footage. There is an 80,000 square foot cold storage facility that's available off the expressway. And you're talking about the Santana textile plant. Uh, That's about 150, 200,000 square feet of space that, that, that's available. It's for sale. Um, And then we have quite a few new companies that are going to be building in our North industrial park, um, We've got probably about two hundred thousand square feet but they're already occupied so this space is being built for them um, we're still looking for those developers who want to you know take the leap and and build some extra spec space because uh, we're going to need it um, you know it's been uh, it's been pretty productive in terms of the sales of land at the industrial park I think that by end of this year we will Almost be out of uh, industrial land, and we'll be looking at uh, a new land to, to expand that industrial park or to to build another one.
1: got some uh, economic development efforts for for Edinburgh. What would you say is a low hanging fruit for you as the EDC chief? Is it medical? Is it aerospace? Uh, complementing, you know, what's taking place at so the coast? Energy? Anything complementing LNG? What's the low hanging fruit for us to bring down here?
2: Yeah, low hanging fruit for for edinburgh is uh, produce and logistics uh, okay. we're located in the right location where companies can uh, can expand and uh, take advantage of you know all the produce that's coming across the, the bridge and uh, and then just continue to go north you know because all that product is going to the north and then northeast and and edinburgh is the gateway to the valley and it's also you know both coming in and, and going out so okay. mexican trucks can come up you know within 25 miles of the border and and uh, transload, and uh, and that's what they're doing right now. So that's what we're seeing is a lot of uh, a lot of new growth in terms of uh, logistics and, and produce. Uh, we've got some manufacturing also that's uh, coming up. We've got a tr- um, trailer manufacturing company that's going to be building seventy thousand square feet on the north side of town. Um, so yeah, it just continue to to grow.
1: How you doing on sales tax, real quick? Up or down for Edinburgh?
2: We're up. Um, the month of March over last month uh, last year, we were like a 12% increase. And for the year, a year today, we're almost at 8% increase. So we're doing really good.
1: Okay, still.
2: Um, We see that trend continuing.
1: And, and pacing ahead, uh, slightly ahead of, of inflation, which means a continued growth. Thank you, Brody. Appreciate the update. Brodel Garza is our economic development chief for Edinburgh.
0: K U R V You're listening to the best of the Valley's
1: morning news. Here's Sergio. Download the free app for 710 K U R V and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear audio and access to previous programs from 710 K U R V only at Radio Para Mi. Download it. It's free. Good to hear that our UTRGV medical students, when it's time for residencies, they'll be allowed to stay, have a chance to stay in South Texas, thanks to HCA Healthcare and our UT System Chancellor, James Millikan joining us now on the morning news. Well, congratulations, Chancellor. So tell me a bit more about this agreement with HCA. How many students are we talking about? And is it for um, contractually uh, a certain amount of time, let's say 10 years, 15 years, something like that?
6: Well, thanks, Sergio. It's great to be on, and uh, yesterday we had an exciting announcement, which was, uh, as you mentioned, the new partnership with HCA, which is going to expand our residency programs into Hidalgo and Cameron County, both, the first time in Brownsville. So uh, it'll start initially next year, uh, and there'll be 30 new residency slots, up to 150. We hope it exceeds that by 2029. Uh, These are in areas that haven't been addressed uh, to date, new residency programs. So uh, it's an exciting development that will provide expanded opportunities across the valley. And as you say, uh, helps keep our young people, our young, talented doctors in the valley because of what we know about where people practice medicine after their residencies. They tend to stay close to home. So uh, it's a really positive development.
1: Yeah, by by how much... um Um, Mr. Milliken, like seventy percent, fifty percent of residents, do they stay in the area? Do do you know?
6: Yeah, it exceeds fifty. I think I think you're actually right. It is close to seventy. Stay. Uh, close to where their residency was. That's so, good. this is a great opportunity, and we just keep expanding the opportunities at,
1: at RGV's uh, medical school. You've been at HCA Health, which, uh, of course, that's a Rio Grande Regional Hospital here in McAllen and Brownsville Valley Regional. They will be hosting our UT RGV medical students or looking for residencies. Our guest right now, UT System Chancellor James Millikan. Uh, Chancellor Tim Sullivan
3: here. How important is it to the Valley? that doctors stay in the Valley. What's, what's the situation?
6: Well, first of all, let's go broader than the Valley, and just talk about Texas as a state. Um, we're near the bottom in doctors per capita uh, as a state, 47th uh, in the nation. And the Valley is one of the more underserved areas in Texas, so uh, add that to the equation. So that was the reason behind largely development almost a decade ago of the medical school. So everything we do to increase the number of uh, graduate medical education opportunities, residencies in the valley, and then doctors who stay will uh, make a huge dent in what has been traditionally an underserved uh, population. So... Uh, it, this is a tremendous opportunity, and uh, I'm really proud of uh, both uh, RGV and HCA in making this available for more of our students and our
3: graduates. How long had the, been the discussions been in place between UTRGV and HCA before the agreement was signed yesterday? It,
6: well, this has been going on for about a year. Uh, these these uh, negotiations take time, and uh, so I've been. Uh, the teams from both sides have been working hard on this. Is the culmination of that effort?
3: How is it that there hasn't been a residency program in in Brownsville, the Lower Valley, and, until now?
6: Well, I mean, they, first of all, they take time, and these are uh, these affiliations need to be worked out carefully. Uh, HCA is a terrific partner that allows us to expand uh, into into Brownsville. So. Um, You know, it's just that um, we're looking for opportunities across the valley, and we are continuing to expand opportunities and clinical opportunities in uh, each of the communities
1: in the valley. So
6: this is just an ongoing effort by UTRGV to
1: expand opportunities. UT System Chancellor James Milliken, our guest, again, HCA. That would be Rio Grande Regional Hospital. McAllen and Valley Regional Brownsville they're partnering up with UTRGV going to provide some slots residencies for our students to practice medicine here and push their education forward and hopefully maybe more than half of them can stay here and practice medicine in South Texas. Could you explain just real quick for all working people headed uh, to to their job right now how, how residencies are are provided for how they're funded and if the state of Texas could do more to open up some more slots?
6: Yeah, we're always interested in the state providing more graduate medical education opportunities uh, throughout Texas and certainly uh, in the Valley. Um, So, so far, uh, there's been steady growth of this. But uh, as I mentioned early on, um, Texas is behind in the number of doctors per capita. We've still got work to do. Um, not only in the valley, but across the state. Um, and so uh, any uh, opportunity we have to expand okay. uh, graduate medical education and residency slots at uh, uh, clinics throughout the state is is a huge positive. And I know uh, Guy Bailey, uh, the president of RGV, and, and Dean Hocker are working at this all the time.
1: Could lawmakers in Austin maybe, I don't know, I think they're working with a pretty big cookie jar uh, of extra money, maybe allocate a little bit more so that the uh, multiple systems in in Texas can open up a few more slots and c- try to keep those doctors. Because that that goalpost is moving. Uh, we've, we we're behind, as you say, and Texas is growing real quick. We got more people moving down here. It's like we're like it's like slow down. Will you? Let, let try to let us catch up? Is, is might there be an effort in Austin? To try to find more of these well, residencies,
6: you know, this is a—it's both a, a great opportunity for Texas that that we're growing, uh, we're we're growing in the in in total population and the number of young people, which means that you know for the future we'll have the workforce, the families, the, et cetera, that will make Texas strong and and competitive. But as you suggest, there are challenges that come with that, both in healthcare uh, and in education. And as long as uh, I have the chance, I'm going to. Uh, mention what RGV is doing in this space with its uh, its scholarship programs, the addition of the mm-hmm. Regents Promise Plus program, where it has the most generous scholarship program in the state of Texas uh, for young people. And so the, both of these priorities are front and center and they're the challenges we face as a state, but but I like our chances. I think we're addressing them uh, thoughtfully and, and pretty aggressively. As you suggest, there is an opportunity uh, in Austin this session uh, with uh, some funding that we haven't seen in a while for the legislature to address uh, the health care needs in the state.
1: The growth at UTRGV is, is just amazing, and we got this unique podiatry system that's a podiatry school that's a program that's going to be started up here pretty soon. Uh, I suspect that from uh, your your eagle's perch, uh, that lofty perch at, at UT, managing the, the system, the University of Texas system, I would imagine that um, UTRGV, the medical school, has a quite a high priority of making sure that it continues to grow and provide that medical care in South Texas
6: it it's a very high priority for us, has been since its uh, creation. And, uh, I, you know, I just, I love what they're doing. There's a lot of innovation there, as you just said, the, the dietary school, the first public school in the state of Texas, so obviously the, the first one at the UT system, addresses a particular need in the Valley. And I, I think the, the, the team at RGV is focused like a laser on the needs in the Valley the healthcare disparities that exist there, and what programs are needed uh, to address them, and they've been they've been creative about it, they've been innovative about it, and they've uh, they've invested in it where it matters.
1: Yeah, talk about catching up. It's a great benefit to, to the healthcare industry overall for that data set to keep bringing in more Latinos, Hispanics, because they they need that information. Chancellor, a pleasure. Thanks for the call and check in anytime. Our UT System Chancellor James Milliken joining us on the morning news.
0: 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. break in Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a active shooter
6: multiple gunshot big instance, we are in receipt of information.
0: When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV dot KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: Our Precinct 3 Commissioner for Hidalgo County, Ever Vial, and they're going after some of those illegal the trash dumpers in the, in the area. Commissioner, appreciate your time, Mr. V. So how are you going after some of these illegal uh, trash dumpers in the area?
7: Uh, well, you know, we're trying to uh, get them and hold them accountable. It's a, it's a big problem here, not only in Preaching 3, but in Hidalgo County. You know, I don't know that uh, people are aware, but we, we're spending about 8 to $10 million a year on illegal dumping where we can be using that money for... Uh, for other improvements that are needed
1: man eight to ten million bucks in getting rid of all this trash and some of the areas that are more sensitive for you in precinct three that in in the event that we get you know a a gully washer and we got some of this trash out there that's gum in the works what are some of the areas that you're most concerned with in precinct three uh
7: well well the areas where our, our drainage systems are you know, we found uh, sofas, refrigerators, uh, mm. uh, all types of trash that plug up our, our drainage when it rains. And then our subdivisions or colonials get flooded, and it uh, it has a, ve- a negative impact on our residents. So, you know, it's it's, it's, it's very sad to see that, that people are illegally dumping where they can come to our office and with only $25 get a permit and take their trash to any site in Hidalgo County. It doesn't have to be here in Precinct 3. If they're anywhere in Hidalgo County, they can uh, use that permit to take their trash.
1: Ever Villarreal, Hidalgo County Commissioner, Precinct 3.
3: Yeah, Commissioner Tim Sullivan here, just kind of following up on what Serge was alluding to. So so what sparked this trash dumping collecting initiative, and and what's the goal? Is it to help keep drainage ditches and debris, you know, keep those clear ahead of hurricane season?
7: Uh, well, what sparked it is our community. We've been getting a lot of calls uh, where uh, 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 people dump trash in front of other uh, 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 people's homes, and they call and complain, and that really sparked, uh, uh, you know, our wanting to do something. Obviously, we we uh, uh, try to fight illegal dumping year-round, but it just uh, upset us uh, that uh, uh, they it has not stopped. Obviously, this is not a this is not the solution, but we want to create awareness uh, to try to stop people from illegal dumping and hopefully catch some of these people and get them arrested or get them fined so they can uh, 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 stop that. And obviously, pass a word that yes. we are cracking down yeah. on illegal dumping.
3: Yeah. Well, so speaking of, of trash, uh, commissioner, where are you on a proposed county wide? trash collection program that, that has been brought up. But do you support that proposal or, or some form of a countywide trash collection system?
7: Uh, absolutely. We have a bill with uh, uh, that, uh, that the Senate, uh, our uh, Senator uh, Chuy Inajosa and La Mantilla are going to uh, try to get that uh, bill passed. You know, and it's important uh, for some of our residents that are concerned to call our state uh, legislators, our state reps, and let them know that this is needed. You know, every city uh, provides this service for the citizens, and we, the county and the rural areas, uh, we do not. And I believe that our residents uh, should uh, have the same uh, services as uh, people in the cities. Ah, uh, we just need the authority because we don't have the authority to uh, to service uh, our rural areas in our ETJs of of the cities.
3: Can you come up with a system where it's um, affordable, where you know some of the poorer people in the rural areas can can pay help pay for it?
7: Exactly. You know, we're uh, uh, the more people uh, that, that that we uh, we're able to service, the less cost. Obviously, we're gonna if this does pass we're going to bid it out and you shouldn't pay more than the services that they're paying right now because it's pretty much going to be some of the same companies that service the cities that are going to be able to service uh, our rural areas so the cost should be the same we just need authority Uh, To go out and and service those uh, residents.
1: Precinct 3 Commissioner Hidalgo County, Ever Villarreal, brought him onto the program to talk about the efforts at Hidalgo County, at precincts, various precincts go after individuals dumping trash, big trash, and and gumming up, clogging some of the waterways or or the drainage systems in the county. You mentioned, uh, Ever, that the price tag for the county, you guys are already paying about 8 to 10 million bucks they go pick up all that trash. Mas o menos, what is the price tag for a county-wide program where, let's say, you know you already have the trucks, you already have the personnel picking up trash from ditches and drainage areas, why not just um, have a, a phone-in system where people phone it and say, I got a refrigerator, I got a couch, uh, help me out, just pick it up, and what would be the price tag for that? Do you know, Commissioner, would it be... Less than Uh, eight to ten million uh, just to go ahead and use it now?
7: No, I think it should be a little bit more uh, because a lot of the people uh, we do have responsible citizens in the the rural area that do bring their trash uh, here to our collection sites. We just don't offer the service to be able to go uh, and pick up trash at residents' properties or their homes. Yeah. uh, Just like the cities offer. We don't have that mechanism where we're able to charge them uh, to be able to service them. So that's what we're trying to create, uh, and uh, so we we can be able to go to uh, our citizens' homes and collect their trash.
1: At least on the big items, I, I know, you know. Trash bags aside, at least on the big items, as you mentioned, the stuff that clogs the water waste drainage areas, uh, maybe yes. offer to. Send county trucks out there and pick up the fridges, freezers, couches, all that stuff. And you know, you're already spending eight to ten million when when you get word of big trash, maybe go get it and try to save some money that way. Have have y'all considered that?
7: Uh, We we have done it. We have done cleanups where we uh, uh, send uh, uh, containers to certain colonias that need are in desperate need of of, uh, of cleaning, yeah. and uh, we have those type of programs just like we have it for tires, uh, where we allow a certain amount of tires that we can uh, pick up. So we we have been doing that. Okay. It's just not enough.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a million people in Hidalgo County, so and growing. So I would imagine, yeah, yeah. the, the challenge is getting even... Uh, it's more challenging for you. Commissioner, appreciate your time. Call us anytime. Ever VFL yes, is our commissioner for Precinct 3, Idaho, Can. Hey,
0: as long as you're scrolling through your phone checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Para Mi app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: Download the free app for 710 kurv and all our sister stations at Radio United. Crisp, clear, audio, and access to previous programs from 710 kurv Only at Radio Parami. Download it. It's free. A very big week. News events from UTRGV. Dr. Guy Bailey, the president of our university, joining us right now. Let's start with the new athletic complex. Uh, Dr. B, so what can you tell us about that, that program?
4: Well, the Vaqueros Performance Center will include, uh, it's really a comprehensive facility built uh, as we bring on football. As you know, uh, football raises the, uh, it kind of raises the equation for everything. And so, but this performance center will include not only training, weight training, obviously the kinds of things like that you have to do, there will be a student success center involved with it, and uh, it will be a state-of-the-art facility. And I'm, I, I've, I assume you probably have seen the drawings, and yeah, the, uh, the renderings. Uh, we
1: saw that, it was pretty, and, yeah.
4: right. And we're we're you can see where the location we're starting on it right now. We've had Board of Regents approval. All of this is paid for by athletics revenues, and uh, the athletics department, Chase Conk, our AD, has done a tremendous job of of raising money, uh, increasing ticket sales. If you go to a, a baseball game, for, for instance, you'll find that the stadium is, uh, is generally quite full for every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you went to basketball, we had terrific crowds volleyball. I mean, in, in, in many universities, volleyball is not that well attended, but here, and of course, we had a great volleyball team. You should, <laughs> if you didn't go see them, you missed a real treat. And, uh, uh, so we're really pleased with the direction of athletics. It's it's uh, it's on its standing on its own two feet and doing very well.
1: Doctor Guy Bailey, President
3: UTRGV, our guest. Yeah, Doctor Bailey, Tim Sullivan here. What was involved in clearing property north of the baseball stadium for the for the brand new athletic center?
4: Well, we own fifty acres out there anyway. May own a little bit more than that, but but it, uh, at least fifty acres, and so. It was simply a matter of clearing brush. It was mostly brush land. And, uh, and so that the location of course is very convenient north of the, uh, the baseball complex and not too far from over where we'll play soccer. And remember we're doing upgrades to soccer as well. And, uh, uh, new locker rooms and things for, for folks. Uh, and so, it, it, we, we're doing a, a full range of athletics upgrades I think they're 30 to 45 million dollars uh, in that and so it's a and again paid for all by uh, revenue that's that's increased in athletics and so uh, it, we were very fortunate to have that land and it's 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 perfect for that and uh, <clears throat> it's not as good for some of the academic uh things because it's not really in the core of the campus what we'd like to do is reserve the campus core for our academic facilities
3: so we're we're playing football indoors right
4: <laughs> no not indoors but we're training indoors okay. and uh all, all of the meeting space uh, uh we'll, we'll play football outdoors
1: <laughs> which begs the question as, as far as a stadium the youth, uh, the soccer stadium nearby, or maybe a new facility in Brownsville. What, what is the thinking right now as far as the stadium for the? Vicodos? Well, of course,
4: yeah, we will be playing games in Brownsville every year, and uh,
1: Sam's Stadium
4: there is uh, is a uh, we've got that set, and we're currently mm-hmm. working on a, uh, either a lease or a purchase agreement, some kind of agreement with the uh, uh, for the soccer stadium near for HEB Park and. Mm-hmm. It, uh, we'll see how that works out. I mean, there's still some some things that need to be done, but there, there's a great facility there. We have other possibilities as well, but uh, that's where our focus is right now.
1: Dr. Guy Bailey, President, UTRGV, and of course, our medical school. And the big announcement this week at UTRGV HCA Health mm-hmm. partnering with our university or our medical school. And we got a residency program at the HCA facilities, McAllen, Rio Grande Regional, Brownsville. Valley region I want to get your thoughts on this new agreement how long is it how big is it how how potentially big might it be in the near future
4: well i we think we'll have at least hundred and fifty residents or so uh which is pretty large and <clears throat> that that really uh uh is important because remember residency programs are the funnels that get you uh get you new uh new doctors, and that's how you build a physician workforce. And so uh, this will be several residency programs. We're still identifying uh, uh, the full range of residency programs. <clears throat> but it's very important that uh, we do this with HCA because HCA is one of the few uh, hospitals, uh, hospital chains that has facilities uh, both in the Upper Valley and in Brownsville and this gives us residency programs in Brownsville, something we've tried to do for a long time. And, and I can't tell you how important that is and how excited we are about that. The two, uh, the Brownsville and the McAllen facility also work closely together, hand in hand. And with the two of them together, we'll be able to do certain kinds of residency programs in the future that we could have never done uh, uh, with, in an in individual hospital. So. It's uh it's absolutely crucial for us and a really big day to, for the valley. Over the next few months, you'll see the announcement of particular programs. Okay. Uh, that, that, and uh, uh, but but uh, you should keep in mind that not only will we replicate some of the programs we have, like internal medicine, you have that every you'll, you'll have that everywhere, but we'll have some some new programs as well. Uh, that we think will create new specialties. And that's part of the problem with the physician workforce. It's not just that we need more physicians, uh, we need more specialties. And and that's one thing we think we can really address here.
1: Yeah, which begs a question. So with the residency program now up and running at Rio Grande Regional and Valley Regional, does that create a magnet then to bring down more specialists to the area? To help these, yeah, absolutely, you know, right? Right? absolutely, absolutely. Uh, many many physicians want to be part of
4: academic medicine, and that's different from uh, from other medicine. And so, uh, being being able to teach and be a part of academic medicine w- and w- is a huge draw. And when your specialty uh, is is something that uh, where you can supervise residents it'll be a huge magnet for new physicians.
1: Absolutely. Dr. Guy Bailey, President, UTRGV, our guest. So if the residency program, we hope to expand that to 150 positions. How many student doctors are that's, we churning out every four years? That's where we want
4: to start.
1: Oh, oh, we want to start at 150. Okay.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's where we, we we hope it'll be bigger than that okay. down the
1: road. Okay, all right. So, how, how many yeah. student doctors are we turning out every four years, my Doc?
4: <clears throat> well, we... we currently have a couple of hundred about two hundred and thirty residents right now and so if you figure every uh, every year about a quarter of those residents and these are the, remember these are not the, the the people getting mds these are people getting their residencies and so about a quarter of those residents would be would be graduating or going on to uh, uh, to to either fellowship somewhere or, or permanent jobs, and uh, if you look at the medical school itself, uh, fifty to fifty five a year, we're we're giving MDS too. So, okay. and at some point in the future, we'll be beginning increasing well, that good. as well. So. Well, that's uh, good because it we, seems
1: like we're keeping the majority of them here in South Texas, and likely to keep. We're keeping a lot of right, them. Keeping yes, a we good are. chunk of them. All right, yes, we are. Uh, and uh, in the final minute, any other brick and mortar or academic programs, projects you want folks to know about over at UTRGV?
4: <laughs> well, if you you know if you drive all around the valley, you see our things going up. You see the cancer infusion and surgery center, uh, the collegiate high school in both uh, McAllen and. Uh, and edinburgh going up we uh, uh have a building for human genetics going up in brownsville right now it's absolutely crucial it includes a vivarium so there is a lot of construction going on and, and we hope for the next uh, decade or so when you drive around the valley you'll see utrg construction going on
1: thank you dr b appreciate your time dr guy bailey president utrgv Thanks,
0: You're listening to the best of the Valley's morning news. Here's Sergio.
1: Texas A&M and DHR Health announcing a residency program this week. Greg Hartman, Chief Operating Officer for Texas A&M, is our guest. Mr. H., thanks for the time you give us this morning. So explain how big the program, uh, tell us how big the program will be Texas A&M over at DHR.
5: Well we're still talking about the ultimate size but it'll it'll easily be over 100 residents and and probably larger, probably grow hopefully at least that's our plan and that's in terms of the medical education then of course there will also be research opportunities that will grow that will involve our faculty as well as our students And then another thing, too, that is maybe worthwhile just pointing out here, too, is this relationship with Texas A&M Health in the Valley is really new. We've been involved uh, with DHR for over 10 years uh, on pharmacy training as well, too. So we'll continue to grow that pharmacy program to fast-growing program. And then, um, like I said, probably about 100 residents or more.
1: Terrific. Could you uh, briefly explain Texas A&M Health? I think I likely should have started there. Explain the the different programs, uh, maybe clinics, uh, 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 just a little sample of some of the research initiatives that we have going on over at Texas A&M Health.
5: Sure. Um, Texas Texas A&M Health is actually one of the more diverse health science centers that's in the state of Texas. Uh, We've got both the College of Medicine, when we say Texas A&M Health includes the College of Medicine, the College of Pharmacy, Nursing, Public Health, and Dentistry, and these are located in Bryan College Station at the flagship um, university, but we actually have programs, clinical operations all around the state, Dallas, Houston, Austin. We've just opened up a new affiliation in San Antonio, and then we've been doing work, like I said, down in the valley. We don't have a large clinical practice, uh, uh, very visible in the valley yet. That's one of the things that we hope to grow over time with this new residency which is the actual delivery of care through clinicians, physicians, nurses actually being down there in the Rio Grande Valley. We do that currently in Dallas and in Bryan College Station and Austin. Um, so I, I expect that's something that's gonna grow along with the residency training that we're talking about.
1: Greg Hartman, Chief Operating Officer
3: with Texas A&M. Mr. Hartman, Tim Sullivan Thank here. You, sir. Talk more, if you could, about the future of those cl- clinical programs you, you just mentioned in the Valley. Um, how far away are we from getting some of those expanded into our region?
7: Uh,
5: well, I think that's still part of the negotiations that are going on, the talks that we're having down there with DHR. So I don't know if I can put a time frame on it, but I think with the growth in the Rio Grande Valley, the population growth down there, um, it's, a, it's a market where there's a, there's a lot of need. And not only need for physicians, but also for nurses, nurse uh, advanced practice nurses, uh, physician assistants, um, the whole range of services. And also, frankly, we'd love to see even possibly growth of dentistry and those kind of services. Mm-hmm. So I think it's in the near future. I don't put a time frame on it because we still have a lot of conversations to have down there. The the ink is barely dry on the agreement, but we're really excited about being a part of that market down there because it's growing so fast. Texas and has such a, a large presence among alumni and and other folks already down there, we think it's a great market for us to grow into.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, When did negotiations begin between A&M and DHR on this particular residency agreement?
5: Well, the early days of this agreement actually go back to even, I used to be the head of the Health Science Center before I became COO at Texas A&M, and so we started having conversations uh, with DHR probably four or five years ago, and it was mainly focused at the time Really, on growing our research um, collaborations, our research relationship, uh, particularly with children's uh, children's medicine, uh, we've got a we've had an agreement, or a relationship with uh, Christus Health, Christus Health out of Corpus Christi, mm-hmm. and and that has expanded into the valley and some work with some work as well too, and and that'll continue to grow as well with this agreement. Um, but we started talking then about the possibility of working together and growing or education uh, partnership together. But it sort of of ebbed and flowed depending on what was going on. Of course, COVID was in the middle of all that. But these negotiations that ended this week with the president and the chancellor of A&M being down there, um, they started in earnest probably about nine months, maybe a year ago, um, to start talking about when and how we could do this.
3: Let me ask you to look into your crystal ball again, (laughs) if you couldn't, and just (laughs) as best you can. Is A&M planning any brick-and-mortar medical facilities it's on your campus in North McAllen
5: uh, right now we don't have anything on the on the calendar I mean not on the on the on the list in your crystal like ball so I mean, talking yeah <laughs> talking about DHR we're growing we're growing nursing uh, a nursing school down there as well too we're gonna to be building a new, a new building to expand our nursing education um, down there at our McAllen campus so the first step is to just to start to, to have more students and, and to grow more doctors, because um, then that brings you on faculty, and that's what allows you to eventually grow that clinical right, practice. Right. So it's we're still a few years off from actually having a clinic, that is a Texas A&M doctor yeah. uh, greeting you and taking care of you when you walk into the clinic. We're still a few years off. Well,
1: we're moving in the right direction. Got yourself a, a really nice mm-hmm. beachhead here in the McAllen area. He's the, the former head of the Health Science Center at Texas A&M, and he's the chief operating officer at Texas A&M, our guest right now, Greg Hartman. So with, with of course, the medical and nursing and pharma and dentistry, all these sciences available. And with the nursing campus, uh, we spoke with a colleague of yours a few days back was telling us that the nursing campus more than likely would be uh, identical in size. So we're definitely growing the, the footprint of Texas A&M and North McAllen. So we continue moving in this direction. I guess depending on how long this agreement is with DHR, which you know that's begs the question: How many years have we are we contracted DHR and Texas a to work together to see if we can increase more more medical programs down here? How, how long is that agreement of residency agreement with DHR?
5: Well, the affiliation agreements always have extensions, so our hope is that it'll go. These usually go. Many decades, and that's our hope here. This initial agreement is for ten years, okay. um, and then with some extensions above and beyond that as well, too. As a matter of fact, I'm in College Station now, but I'm. As soon as we finish, I'm going to be uh, running to the airport to catch a flight down there. We're going to be doing some of this very kind of planning, strategic Terrific. planning um, about about the healthcare as well as our other operations down there this afternoon.
1: If, if you were to grow, choose to grow one particular service branch, whether it be. Pharma, dentistry, or, or nursing, or which one would you choose? Which one's giving you most stress right now? Most uh, pressure when it comes to demand?
5: That, that's a great question. That's something we've been looking a lot at. Looking a lot at. And I believe it's going to be the nursing, uh, the nursing school. There, from everything we've heard from folks down there and our own data, the demand for nursing in South Texas and particularly the Rio Grande Valley is particularly strong. And there's a lot of wonderful students. We've already got some uh, small nursing program down there, but we expect that. To really grow quickly, so while the residency program the affiliation we signed with DHR is a huge big step, because that really is creates a like you said a beachhead. Um, a lot of the a lot of the growth I think is going to be happening in the nursing area, um, just because there's so much demand, so many students wanting to do it, and so many folks down there wanting to hire nurses as soon as you can get them trained.
1: Is there a cap? Could you explain to me? Is there a cap on the number of residents that residencies that you can provide from time to time? And and if so, how do we increase that?
5: Well, it's it's really complicated, but there is a cap in terms of the funding that you'll receive uh, to help cover some of the cost for the residents. Federal government and state government don't pay for everything, but they do. There are some ways to pull down dollars um, from the federal government and sometimes the state government. And there are caps, though, on how many residents you can have that qualify for those dollars. You can grow programs as large as you want. You can have a lot more residents than what the cap that they set is. But you'll have to fund those through your own, through either clinical practice or some other source of funding, which can be very difficult. Residency training is a, is a fairly expensive endeavor, particularly in the early days. So there's you get a certain amount of time to set a cap, and that's why you want to be fairly aggressive in the early stages of these programs to get the cap set as high as possible. And then that, that helps you to build a stronger program because you're able to pull down more dollars
1: Right. And thank you, Mr. Hartman. Appreciate your time today. He's the Chief Operating Officer for Texas A&M, Greg Hartman. This is the only radio station in the Rio Grande Valley for the news and information you need to know. We are News Talk 710 KURV. Discover our Facebook page, 710 KURV, also Twitter. I'm Sergio Sanchez, and my email is Sergio at KURV.com. Thank you for listening to News Talk 710 KURV.
0: It's called a Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV.